0: Body has been found, and they figure that it was yet again poisoned. She has a very small mark in her neck, and it's swollen, yeah. you know, as if it was poison. Earthstripe weeps for his lost hairs and swears he will find the vermin who slipped in and kill them. The pair are lower are carried to the lower caves to wait a proper burial. This is sad. In the dining hall it's so sad. In the dining hall, Earthstripe learns of their poison supplies, confirmed by dead ants. Uh, which is very clever. It hunter. is. Uh, the, but also, this is how they figure out that everything was poison. Yeah, but
1: part of me is like, what kind of poison works on ants and like larger creatures? It's like I know there's some stuff ants very strong poison. Yeah, because like there's stuff ants can eat that we can't eat, and I'm sure vice like versa. Like latex. Yeah, wait, ants can eat latex. I actually don't know if that's true. I was true. gonna say, wait. <laughs> I know that trees with latex in them don't typically hurt okay, ants, but that's so. like latex in its not yet refined state. It's still like no, a this sap. is this is so, plant latex, yeah.
0: which can be poisonous to oh, us and yeah. also cause a horrifying reactions to our skin. Yeah, but
1: yeah, poison bad. Poison bad enough it kills. Ow! Bloody headphones. Um, poison bad. Poison bad enough it can kill ants. But at least they have confirmation now that the water and the food is just no good.
0: Yeah. Uh, Seawood knows that they face starvation, and Earthstripe orders him away, and orders that everyone must remain hidden. He wants Farago to think that they're all dead. Sapwood and Oxeye, of course, briefly spot Farron as they return from the lower caves. Oxeye bellowing out an order to stop, and then doubting his own eyes. Because remember, Farron is like a shadow. Mm-hmm. He is a... Also, we were reminded that the character who was a shadow in a previous book was a rat. Yeah. Drawn by the noise, Earthstripe orders him to tell him what he'd seen. Like, Oxeye, at first kind of stammers out a, a, a yes, but also no. And Earthstripe is like, uh, you need to report this order to me like a Long Patrol hare. And Oxeye is like, yes, sir.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He snap, He literally snaps to attention and starts reporting, which you know. Yeah. I mean, that works. It sometimes like the training takes over, and you're able to do something while your brain is still catching up. This is how DOMs get their subs to do. Oh doms. my god, I'm cutting that. How dare you? <laughs> no, you can't cut that. You're cutting that. That's going in bloopers. No. Izzy. No, you can't Izzy. cut that. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. Fine, carry on then. <laughs> I leave this in under protest just so you guys know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, Oxai uh, reports what he's seen, pointing the direction the fox had gone. <sighs> Woof, Sapwood asks permission to go after the fox and is denied. Earthstripe wants the fox to himself. He orders them to split up, go to the crater, make a bottleneck, close off all exits drive the fox downwards towards the waiting badger lord. He will be waiting in the cave, holding his two dead hairs.
1: And I make a note that I wager this, this impacts him so heavily because they didn't die an honorable death. They didn't get to die in battle defending Salamandastron. They were killed in the worst kind of way possible in an underhanded, sneaky way. And it's insulting. It's the cruelest way you can kill because it's not honest. It's not forward. Like, yeah, sure, killing someone's wrong, but killing in a battle, at least you can see who's killing you. Killing by poison? That's the coward's way. That is the, that is just indecent. It's it's not honorable. And I feel like that's part of what's really tearing him up. And Winpaw wasn't even in the fight. Not just that, but it's implied that they're both really young hares, too. Yeah. Winpo was bringing, like... Arrows.
0: Towels and... Or something. Yeah. She was was bringing things. She was carrying things. She wasn't actively Mm -hmm. fighting. She was doing a supply run. So it's like... Yeah. (sighs) So outside, with Farago and a group of his vermin, they circle the mountain. And he finds a crack... In the mountain that he likes And says it's the perfect place to tunnel And Klitsch questions him Why not find a window slit Or unblock the entrance Excuse me you see? Because Frago what? No I said you're excused Oh no there's no excuse for me What are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> Klitsch questions him Why not find a window slit or unblock the entrance Because Frogo wants the element of surprise On his side Go the way they won't expect, and anyone left alive and in fighting trim will have a nasty shock. Back inside! <laughs> <laughs> we get some good, like, back-and-forth, like, quick yeah. clip. It's it's well-paced. Yeah. Uh, Ferran knows that he's failed,
1: and now he's being herded by hares. I love the irony of this. Just a fox. A fox in a hair warren being chased by hares. Just, it's delicious. It is
0: extra funny to me because at the top, the the, the cover of my book, my copy of this, mm-hmm. underneath where it says, the national bestseller, exclamation point, in
1: the tradition of water ship down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the name of that one general go at the one who goes after the dog? I am... I've started reading Watership oh. Down, but I am within,
0: like, the first, like, three chapters. Okay,
1: well, spoilers, <laughs> so, sorry.
0: um, eh, yeah, you, you, I have seen GIFs of the movie. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I know what the fuck is okay. going on, mostly. Yeah, I don't know specifics, but I know it's fucked Very, up. Very, <laughs> um,
1: but yes... Did you know rabbits scream? I do, because I grew up in the country, and I have definitely heard (laughs) rabbits scream when a fox decides they're hungry.
0: Yeah, rabbits screaming is horrifying to hear. Mm -hmm. Anyway, every corner that Faron turns, he faces an angry... No, he doesn't face just one. He faces a pair of angry armed warriors. A pair of Like, fully
1: armored and armed. Yep.
0: And down, down he's driven until he's cornered in the cave with Earthstripe, who has nothing but a knotted, wet bit of linen. He says to give the fox whatever weapons he wants. No one is to join this fight. It's between Earthstripe and the Poisoner. And, like, the entire bit of, of like, this whole chapter with Faron is from his perspective, for the mm-hmm. most part, up until just at the mm-hmm. end, where he is... Terrified, He knows that he's going to die here. He just doesn't know mm-hmm. how or when. And every escape route he tries to take. And none of the hares, like, like go after him. They just keep him from going the directions he
1: wants mm-hmm. to go. Further driving him down, with... down, down.
0: Yeah. And then they block the exits from that cavern with, like, the entire horde of hares. And it is terrifying. And then I had a thought that I was like, motherfucker, Earthstripe's gonna get nicked and poisoned and die slowly. No, that doesn't happen. No. Yeah. No. No. It doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. happen.
1: That would've been interesting. It won't happen because he has to fight at least one of the two weasels.
0: Yep. So, back with Thrug, and, of course, Dumble and Rock Angus, uh, Thrug is preparing slingstones while watching the horde of dark crows in the dark night. Rock Angus sees the crows stirring, and when a dark figure flies overhead, uh, Thrug launches a hasty stone. Uh, said dark figure snaps at him. Can't he see he's no crow? Rock Angus recognizes the voice. It's Tambique, who inquires what has Rock Angus done to his wing. Rock Angus says to pay it no mind. Are any of the clan near? No, but Tambique will call them. He flies up and does indeed call out while the crows below stir themselves even more into a frenzy. Quickly enough, six more falcons arrive. Turns out one of the birds is Rock Angus's dad, Laird McTallon. And it's nice, he's just like... <laughs> he's not worried about the crow. Uh, he
1: and his flyers can give them a good drubbing. He's just also... When Rock Sorry, Angus tells help. him... Sorry to interrupt. What? But I like that he's happy to see his son. Like, there's no scolding, like, what'd you do something stupid like that for? He's just like, hmm, broke your wing. All right, let's settle this. Let's, let's take care of this. Like, he's not mean. I don't know why, but I really like the way Laird McTallin is written. He's a good dad. Yeah, he's a good dad. He's a very good dad. Um, so
0: Rock Angus tells uh, McTallin how Thrug and Dumble had helped him, and uh, McTallin offers his thanks to the Otter. Uh, the six arrange themselves. Also, Dumble like yeah. holds out his paw. It's just like, hello, yeah. <laughs> I'm Dumble. <laughs> I think he does that a little bit later, but it is very yes, very funny I, when he does it. I do happens. make a note of it. Yeah, it's so cute. I love Dumble. Uh, I love Dumble. Uh. Um, the six uh, falcons arrange themselves in front of the crows, calling out to take no prisoners and offer no quarter. The crows drop silent. Watching the advancing aggressive falcons. The Lard calls them out on their cowardice. He's no baby mouse, wounded son, or ground bound otter. Won't they give him a proper fight? And I love that even in the text, when no one is directly referring to McTallon, like with their voices, that Brian calls him Lard instead of Lord. I think it's Laird. Because Lard. The laird. Laird. Like, bairn, laird, yeah. laird. It probably depends on where probably. you're from. Probably. But yeah uh he keeps calling him Laird, cause that's what it yeah. is. It's really good i uh, it so uh with this calling out of the crow's cowardice, he launches into an attack, killing four crows while his five fighters hit crows like lightning in the air
1: above, and Dumble is awake now watching the carnage from Thrug's shoulders. It's just like, <laughs> is this kid gonna be traumatized or become one hell of a fighter? <laughs> Both. The answer's both. Uh, The crows drop like
0: flies and those who make it back to their thicket tuck down into the pines. Rock Angus, of course, laments missing the fight, and when the laird lands in front of them, he says it's a pity thrug can't fly. Fighting in the air is the best, and oh! Dumble's awake. How is he? Dumble greets the laird politely with an open, friendly paw. And I'm just over here like, baby boy, protect. Protect at all like, costs. He's, he's extremely polite. It's very cute. He's been raised correctly. Here it is.
1: <laughs> I wish it to you could fly, Thrug. Battling in the skies is a grand thing. Sure enough. Ugh! Oh, the wee dibbon is awake and all. How are you, Baron? Dumble offered a paw. Or Dumble offered his paw. Pleased to meet you, mister. He's so cute.
0: <laughs> I know earlier we were like, what the fuck, Dumble? But now we're just like, oh, it's a baby. Yes. It's a little baby. <laughs> yes. Alright. He baby. Uh, they spend the night protected by the falcons, and the next morning shows them snow-capped mountains peeking over the horizon. Rock Angus is happy to see his home, and asks Dumble if he's ever seen rocks piled so high.
1: I love their friendship. And so Dumble much. says he's never seen
0: mountains with snow before. Will they play in them when they
1: get there? I just I love their friendship so much. It's very good. Oh man.
0: It's so good. Rock Angus also mm-hmm. good, honestly. Mm-hmm. Thrug also We also get a bit that like really shows like Thrug is much older than he was initially like kind of implied mm-hmm. to be. Uh, which is
1: interesting. Like, I took it that, like, have a he was, like, vaguely in his 20s-ish, but now it's just like... Mm-hmm. But how old are you? Uh, we have a question about it yeah. at the end that we can go more
0: into discussion yeah. with. Uh eh, eh. No. Why? Uh, at the Abbey, things are not improving. Uh, Faith Spinney is hauling up cold water from the cellars to cool down feverish beasts and sees Formal and some of his crew hauling down a basket. He says they're going to the pond to do laundry. Never seen so much dirty laundry in their lives. She pats their backs and thanks them. They also, of course, have never seen their claws so clean. Yeah, <laughs> since then their mums cleaned their claws as babes. In the infirmary, there's oatmeal on the floor and a tired abbess trying to clean it up. Hollyberry is finally coming down with the fever, and his shaking paws had dropped the meal. He's given a dosing of his own medicine and pulls a face which causes Druni the little mole to laugh weakly at his expression in a taste of his own medicine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Thergan arrives with herbs from Mossflower, picks up the abbess and sets her aside. She'll clean it up. She also says a thing... otter Ottermater, otter Oh titch titch look at the mess uh look at the mess of you two let me do that there's more motherwort nightshade and dock leaves though i'm having trouble further afield to get them now oh well press on and never weaken that's an otter motter
1: i'm gonna i don't mm. <laughs> i i think when i was reading this i was just like starting to get sick so my brain just like buzzed right over that as otter motto because that's what it's supposed to be right but <laughs>
0: Mr. Spinney says that uh is feeling better, or so he says. Can he help?
1: Uh but his wife orders him to keep resting. <laughs> and like I definitely like this, for some reason, like this was the one that really hit me because like when you're at that stage of being sick where you're you're feeling good enough, like you want to do stuff. Your you're brain bored. is back to being active. But then like you try to do stuff and you're just like, oh. I'm actually really tired. This isn't going to work. It's frustrating. It's so frustrating. It is. Uh, Bremen
0: gripes about being bored of laying down, but too weak to do anything. And he wonders how Thrug and Dumble doing? Nasturtium is so weak that she can only whisper of what she's dreamt. Brokenly, she talks of seeing Thrug protect Dumble and another young thing from black, threatening shapes. But no worry. Martin had told her warriors would come to protect them. Uh, Bremen doesn't quite hear what she said, but before he can pester uh, her for an answer, Mrs. Spinney settles him back in his bed and tells him that Nasturtium has fallen back asleep. The fever has taken her worse than anyone else.
1: Poor thing. Yeah, we've got another really good question about this at the end, we do. too. Uh,
0: a couple of hours before dawn, the shrews are attacked by the deepcoiler. One boat capsizes, but Mara stays upright. She and the others smack and batter at the beast's head, but she can't stop it from snatching one shrew and crushing two others. Like, it, it's described as having its great head lift from the water like a snake. And like, it's... Here it is. Okay. Read it. Read it. Read it.
1: Okay. Hissing balefully, the deep coiler flicked out a serpentine tongue. Mara saw the nightmarish cavern of its mouth as the thing came at her purplish red blotched with horrific rows of serrated teeth framing it. This, this is just Nessie. Like a serpentine tongue, rows of sharp
0: teeth. The face is is definitely described as being kind of lamprey like.
1: Yeah. But it's got a tongue. Yeah. Like this thing is just, this is Nessie. This is straight up just a, 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 a lake monster. Yeah, it's a fucking dragon! dragon. Yeah, it's not based off of any real creature. Which I think why we're just so caught off guard by this. Like, even with what they called, like, the dragonfish or whatever it was, that was still, like, an actual eel.
0: Yeah, like, everything that has been, quote-unquote, a dragon so far has been a real creature. And this Mm -hmm. is the first time we get something that ostensibly just isn't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if it is please correct us But this does not sound like an animal That exists in the UK Because for the most part Every animal that has appeared Has been one native to Countries in the UK And uh, in Ireland Mm -hmm. Like eh? Unless if it's been like One of those things where we're like With the pirates on the ocean And we get something from like further south Like a fucking scorpion
1: Yeah. You know? No, it just... Yeah. Oh,
0: what the fuck? It Uh, is a little out of nowhere. Jeez. Anyway. uh, Log Log and his crew stab at whatever this is with their rapiers. Uh, Mara does manage to save Tubgut, though, because he's just kind of bobbing in the water, the air trapped in his fur, keeping him from sinking, which is a thing Mm -hmm. that shrews do. Um, yeah, and she like hauls him back into the boat and Pickle oh. saves Nordo from getting crushed by the beast's tail alright I'm
1: vaguely remembering something else I read once though what was that it was the joke about like the character being so fat he bobbed like a cork what was that I can't even remember what it's from I, I uh, could have been an earlier Redwall book No, it wasn't Redwall, because I definitely remember, like, the character being human. Oh, It must have just been a one-off book I read, but just, like, the line of, like, he he can't drown. He's so fat, he bobs like a cork is, like, part of what I remember. The
0: more fat you have, the more buoyant you are. Yeah. Like, skinny people sink like rocks. Yeah. Whereas I float. I struggle to dive because I am so, like, chunky. Mm -hmm. I fucking float. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, after the deep coiler, you know, gets three shrews, it vanishes from the water. Uh, and they manage to get the other boat righted and look over the damage to their own. Most of the rescued shrews are bruised, a bit waterlogged, but will live. And Tubgut, freed from his bonds, kneels in front of Mara and thanks her profusely apologizing for his rudeness before and swearing loyalty to her and her friends. Mari is embarrassed yet again and uses a little bit of humor to hide it. Uh, She's very humble.
1: (laughs) She's humble and I love it. I love her.
0: She's a good badger.
1: She's Uh, a very good badger.
0: They all stay awake as they wait for Dawn. (laughs) Yeah. Like, nope, nope. No, we're yeah. done. Uh, we're done. Repairs are done as best uh, as can be, and a sketchy breakfast is passed about from the few remaining supplies because they lost half their supplies because of the sh- one of the boats flipping over. Mm-hmm. The fear of the deep coiler is real and grips them strongly.
1: Again, I've had nightmares like this. This is literally a scene from a nightmare I've had.
0: (laughs) And then I made another note to talk about my fear, freshwater lakes, which we've already done. So we're not doing it again. All right. A little after dawn, the crew has lifted spirits, nets and lines, catch fish and freshwater shrimp to replenish some supplies. Their spirits lift even more as they finally spot an island. Logalug's boat has a pretty bad leak, and even as he bails water out, more seeps in. If they paddle hard and he has to keep bailing, they just might make it to the island. So, Mara and Pickle, aided by Nordo and Tubgut, get to rowing with a will. She challenges the shrews, and they join her, singing a shanty as they do.
1: Okay, here it is. Pull, boys, pull. Oh, we're the sons of the and shrews, and longboats is the home we choose. Oh, pull, me bullies, pull. Now we can stamp and we can fight, and paddle longboats day and night. Pull, boys, pull. I was born in a stream on a stormy day, so I jumped in a boat and paddled away. Oh, pull, me bullies, pull. A paddle's me son and a boat's me wife, and the open water is me life. Pull, boys, pull. Oh, I can scoff and outfight you. I'm the paddling son of a and shrew. Oh, pull, me bullies, pull. It's a good shanty. It's a good working song. Uh, Like, I wish I wasn't sick because I might actually try to find the melody here, but, you know. Yeah. The call and response is good. The pull, boys, pull. Like, (laughs) Mm mm-hmm. The other boat picks up the song
0: and it becomes a race. Tubgut is a great paddler and he's amused at Pickle's odd but effective method of paddling because Pickle's just like a fucking jackrabbit. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as his freestyling of the paddling shanty.
1: Oh, I'm a salamanderstrom lad, and by my reckoning, that's not bad. Scoff, chaps, scoff! Now listen, shipmates, while I say, I'd rather scoff than paddle all day. Oh, scoff, you villains, scoff! I don't think that I'd feel so sore with an apple pudding in each paw. Scoff, cap, chaps, scoff! So set me down on good dry earth, I'll eat and snooze for all I'm worth. Oh, scoff, you villains, scoff! <laughs> Once again, he's allowed one personality trait, and that's food. <laughs> he's kind Actually, of funny. No, he has two. He's got two. Food and loyalty to Mara. <laughs> yeah. His
0: third trait it is, is good, being though. a little funny.
1: Yeah. Just a
0: little. Uh, the race carries through the afternoon, with Mara's boat slipping into lead more often than not. Uh, of course, the pressure from swimming so fast brings more water in through the damaged part of the boat... But the bailers are caught up in the spirit of things and press on. Uh, They only just make it to the island in time. Like, water is threatening to slosh into the boat Mm -hmm. uh, as evening settles in. Uh, Yeah, the boat was almost level with the lake by the time they get to shore. And Logalog makes orders to haul it up and out to see if it can be repaired. Like, there's not really a shoreline. It's like a rocky shore. So they pull it up with ropes over Mm -hmm. the rock and on top of it. Mm Mm-hmm. It's night by the time they get the boat ashore. Tomorrow they'll get the supplies to fix it. While they do so, Mara and Pickle will search out the badger ghost. Uh, he gripes about it as usual, but Mara comforts him and tells him to sleep. Tubba curls up near her feet, swearing he will go with her and watch her back. Yeah, I don't like that. It's bad. It's bad. he It's described as him being there like a dog. Yeah, it it's feels bad. creepy. feels bad. I don't like it. I don't like it. It's bad. Yeah. At around midnight, though, the sleeping crew is awoken by a ghostly wail. It is a stretched out and broken version of Eulalia. Uh, Pickle is, of course, thoroughly spooked.
1: And Understandably. my
0: note was just this chapter was extremely good.
1: Uh, it is a very well, very tight, very concise, well-written.
0: Yeah. Like, again, like, we don't have a lot of notes. This book's just good at this point. The pacing is on mm-hmm. point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the early morning light in Mossflower finds the captive rat being forced to show the way to Farago's horde. Arula keeps playing up her madness and the rat is convinced enough that he leads them true. Sprigett knows he is, seeing signs of the fox and his rats. Uh, they have a little lunch and Sprigett enjoys a cloud of insects hovering over some mud.
1: And just gets completely filthy like, while doing absolutely it.
0: covered in mud. Uh, a bit after noon, they come across the Great South Stream. Sam Kim smells wood smoke and suspects it might be a trap. The rat says no, Deathbrush wouldn't waste time setting traps. He just wants to get back to the horde and is doing so by following the south stream. They won't know if he's lying or not unless they check, so they gag the rat and sneak down. They get close enough to hear talking, but Sam Kim can't tell what's being said, until Sprigett stands up, saying with relief that it's just shrews. But the moment the shrews see them, one runs the rat through the heart. And then he gets clocked by who souls who
1: scolds him for slaying an unarmed prisoner. And like, they weren't treating him great in the first place, but they weren't planning to kill him either, it seems like. Which, I feel like this is Brian removing the moral quandary of what were they going to do with him once they actually found the fox or the horde. Like, were they just going to tie him up and keep him prisoner were they gonna kill him here's the thing they've solved this moral quandary before they
0: solved this moral quandary earlier in the book Mm mhm dumble made the foxes promise to stop being bad and sent them on their way they literally solved this moral quandary in
1: this book yes but also those foxes didn't have a whole army they could sneak around and rejoin yeah it's fair but still Uh feels bad But this is Brian removing that quandary in a very quick and efficient manner. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, The shrews almost attack the trio, uh, saying that they're the rest of the fox's gang, until Sam Kim throws his head back and hollers out, Redwall Uh, gets an old shrew to step up and scold the others for not seeing that these are clearly not vermin. Racism. (laughs) Uh, The clung one demands Spriget be slain, But the old shrew says he deserved the thump and he'll get another if he doesn't back off. Alpho, the elder, introduces himself and apologizes for the young Rakla.
1: Also, sorry to interrupt here. But every time I tried to write Alpho for like three or four sentences, Google kept trying to change it to Allah. (laughs) And we are not talking about Allah. We are talking about Alpho, a shrew. Yes.
0: Also, every time I read Rakla, my brain is uh, auto-fills it as raclette, which is cheese. Oh. Interesting. Anyway. uh, They'd been attacked by the fox and his crew, and Rakla's brother had been one of the four shrews slain as the fox had stolen their best longboat. Hence, why he'd run through the rat on sight. Uh, Which, okay, I guess. Uh, cool motive, still murder. Yeah. <laughs> They're invited to dinner and to tell their story. Uh, of course, while they're eating dinner, uh, Sprigett is just forlornly looking out. And it's a good dinner of everything that is not bugs. And, and Sprigett is looking at two dragonflies hovering over the wan- water just longingly. <laughs> he wants them so badly, but he's too polite. <laughs> he is. He's very well behaved. Yep. After dinner, Alpha says that he'd seen the sword. Tracking the fox, however, hinges on if he's a good navigator or not. If not, there's four paths he could take. To the sea, to the lake, to a dead end, or the fourth, which goes down into the mountains. And no one takes that route. And I'm like, this is a good callback to the fact that the river runs into the mountains. Mm -hmm. And then I make the next note. It's like,
1: where the actual fuck does this river start? (laughs) That's one of those questions we are never going to get the answer to. I yeah, am sure. Yeah,
0: probably not. Cause like it runs, it doesn't run away from the mountains. It runs into the mountains, which yeah, is it's weird.
1: Yeah, the, the, I you you, and the listeners know I have had many complaints about Brian's butchered geology and geography in this. Now that's not to say that series. it's not possible, if it is running through a valley. Then that's fine. This is not a valley. I mean, I guess Mossflower could kind of be a valley since it is eh, sort It's of... not surrounded by mountains, is the thing. We've got mountains to the north and mountains to the south for sure. Kinda of south what's it, southwestish. It's more like mountains so to the like... north and mountains to the west, so that's not really a valley. Yeah. I don't know, but it's, it's... weird. I don't,
0: I don't know. Anyway,
1: Rackliff doesn't. The magic river. The river goes yeah. where they needed to go for the plot.
0: Magic. Uh, Rackliff doesn't regret slaying the rat, and in the morning he'll go after the fox for slaying his brother. Alpha scolds him, saying he'll stay put until he says so. They will leave in the morning all together, and Samkin has first dibs on the fox, seeing as he's been hunting him longer for stealing the sword. For now, it's time to sleep.
1: And I make a little quip about Brian enjoying his revenge conga lines. (laughs) Because, like, every single book, the villain has at least three, at least three people gunning for him for various reasons. You know, like, um, Gabool had a badger, a mouse, and anyone else who decided to throw in their hat just for the heck of it. You know? Yep. And then there was like that one shrew who was like, I got beef with this one general. <laughs> yeah.
0: Alright. In the shade of Salamandastron, Clitch and Farrago are, as usual, arguing. And for once, Clitch is actually making some good points. It annoys Frago, which only makes Klitch even smugger. He says Frago should have give, should give control of the army over to him, and Frago shoots back that he's doing just fine. All his plans are working. Clitch sneers at the latest plan to tunnel in. How well will that go? The mountain is huge! And Farrago takes his son to show him the tunnel. And inside! Bart Thistledown heard the vermin tunneling
1: in <laughs> and is amused
0: that the vermin managed to find the
1: old kitchen drain. I do like it when Brian plays up, like, the animals, like, physical traits or like the things that they're good at you know like the hairs can hear really well the moles can feel vibrations better you know like some of them have better sense senses of smell than others i just i like that it's it's small but it's nice yeah
0: oxeye wonders because. if they should dig down and give the vermin an early surprise but sapwood figures nah it it did not please Earthstripe to know they'd been helping the vermin <laughs> better to let them do all the work uh, they should come through about morning, and just before they do, they'll send young Pennybright off to wake Earthstripe and bring him down for the fun. Two captains, Doghead and Dunos, are working at the head of the tunnel. They've gotten a good way in
1: and work frantically. No also one fails sorry to interrupt. Our- what? But I find like Dunose sounds like a normal name. Like the yeah, name somebody Dunose. Like, that's a name you could see, like, a maiden in Redwall having, like, oh, she's the Dew Nose. She's got such a sweet little button of a nose, you know. Instead, it's a kind of effeminate name on a ma- uh masculine vermin. Yeah, like, I'm sure the implication is, is that do Nose probably has, like, a perpetually runny nose, or it's always a really wet-looking is probably what it's implying. But, like, to me, it's like, that's actually a cute name. Weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: Even before people start shipping Doghead and Dunos. <laughs> uh, anyway, no one fails Farago and lives to tell of it, so they dig and haul with the rest of the vermin. Until, of course, they're called out to meet Farago and Clitch. They report that it's going well. Going well. The soil is nothing but packed dirt and rocks. Frago gloats to his surprised son, who asks how he'd known to dig there. And Frago pulls up some sand, showing the debris inside it. Nutshells, broken pottery, it had been
1: an outlet at one point. And I really like that he actually observed this. Like, it's, it's further giving Farago some, not impact, um, legitimacy as an intelligent villain. Yeah. Uh, Klitsch puts on an air
0: of respect, saying, fine, his father had succeeded in burrowing in. Now What? To mock him, Farago puts two vermin to watch Clitch and keep him out of the way. He'll be going into the tunnel to finish breaking through and take the mountain. And the last really big obstacle in their way is a great slab of rock. Yeah. And clitch Farago just fucking breaks it in half. Showing off his physical strength. This man's
1: strong. Like, the way it's described is like the way a badger would be described using their strength. Yeah. Like, corded muscle. Like, it's
0: real- it's a real good bit. Uh, mm-hmm. he's not just witty, after all. They move a few more rocks and some more dirt. When he gets a whiff of cool, fresh air, he pulls out a skinning knife. Telling his captain he sees a beast with their back to the tunnel, he'll stab them and pull them through for the others to take care of. He grabs the beast and stabs them, Shoving them back into the tunnel, but when one of the captains illuminates it with a torch, they scream. It's Faron, mouth stuffed full of his own belt and poison pouches. In a panic, Frago bolts past
1: his horde and back out towards the beach. I feel like Brian was working through something with this book. He's yeah, it is vindictive. very vindictive. I Absolutely mean, you horrifying. have. You have the Toad King being thrown into a pit where either he'll get eaten or he'll kill and then starve to death. You have, you know, the foxes who were kind of tortured. You have this poor rat who was tortured. Now you've got Faron who, I mean, like, he does deserve it. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve it, but it's just like, oh, (laughs) you know what it is? it's it's brian letting the heroes get revenge and you know what i take it back i have been advocating for this for several books now it's just now that it's actually happened it's like oh (laughs) that's why he doesn't let them get revenge because when they get revenge it's just like oh (laughs) this is not terrifying yeah Uh, you got what you asked for but at what cost (laughs) Uh uh-huh and then this is me
0: eating my words yes And now we swap perspective from the Vermin to the Hares and Earthstripe, and we get a repeat of a tactic that we last saw in Redwall. The poisoned and, of course, now useless water has been heated to a boil. Earthstripe tips the barrels in, one by one, bellowing Eulalia. Vermin try to flee, but are tangled up by their own weapons and essentially boiled alive. Bah! Again. Wahaha. And I really like, even though like we know like Farago was trying to escape, there's so many vermin in this tunnel because he had a bunch mm-hmm. of them behind him. Like mm-hmm. There's a brief fake-out where it's entirely possible that Farago could have fucking died. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't. Uh, we get, uh, on the other side of the mountain, five hares sneak back inside with packs of forged provisions and 16 canteens of fresh water. Sapwood praises them and tells them how Earthstripe had a grand old time scalding the vermin.
1: I really like the, like the the back and forth of the siege in this book. Now, usually with Redwall, it almost feels too casual. Like they've got so many supplies built up, and you know, usually the worst thing they have to worry about is, oh, we don't have enough weapons. But with this, it's like, if there's a legitimate back and forth here, like a push and pull of who is on the upper hand, and I'm enjoying it immensely. Yeah,
0: yeah it's really good. Of course, now, we now learn, Farrago did not die, uh, but instead has a very, very badly burned, boiled, and blistered paw, leg, and a massive swath of his back. And he is suffering through treatment of it with seawater um that an old uh, sea rat says that seawater mm-hmm. uh seawater hurts seawater heals uh it's he, all they've got yeah he bites on his knife to keep from screaming as his wounds are washed think like, this isn't a bad thing saline is actually really good for washing wounds with it is uh clitch yeah. mocks him of course saying not to worry he'll take over now and through gritted teeth, Farrago asks what his grand plan is. He just said he's got no plan right now. But surely he'll do better than boiling thirty of their soldiers. Frago says Klitch better bring him the badger's head or else. And Klitch isn't intimidated, knowing his father is in no shape to follow through with the threat. He says to give him to Nightfall and he'll have a plan so good it'll prove he's the better leader.
1: And we're back to another really good push and pull because the fascinating thing is like, if you stop and sit for a minute, if these two actually worked together, I have no doubt that they would be able to take Salamandastron. Like if they actually worked with each other, instead of constantly trying to prove the other is better, they'd have taken the mountain. Or even if Farrago was alone without having his son to like contest with him. But the fact that they're each trying to outdo the other that is what is their downfall.
0: Yeah, because uh, uh, Farago keeps trying to, like, you know, be flashy and show off to his son. Like, nah, see, I know what I'm doing. And Klitsch is trying to prove himself. Mm-hmm. Instead of them both actually working towards the goal properly. It's interesting, and it will be their downfall. And then... For this last little bit, we see Forgrin and Raptail again, who share a meal of scavenged whelks, mussels, and limpets. They're lucky to be alive, having been on the edge of the cave. Forgrin is absolutely ready to be done with Klitch and Farrago and with Frago down and hurt, maybe it's time to take him out. Raptail is a little slow on the uptake, but once he catches on, he agrees heartily. That night, when their leader is asleep and the world is dark. They'll see about ending
1: Ferrago. Also, Google Docs got me again. It changed "raptail" to "reptile," <laughs> and I know this because there were several times where I went back and changed it back to "raptail." But that last one, that last one, I missed, and it's just like Google. <laughs> stop, this fucker, you bastard. Yeah. But also, like, it would be so interesting if these two, like, we keep coming back to these two. Like, we know they're not going to see. We if know we follow they're...
0: Brian's formula, we know that they yeah. probably won't succeed. But also, Brian does like to throw things at us out of fucking nowhere.
1: Mm-hmm. So they could. And it would be really cool if they did. Yeah. Because then, like, I think what would happen is that Clutch would kill them. You know, like, how dare you kill my father? That was my job. You know, yeah,
0: but that's or wha- he yeah. will give them like right hand positions only to mm-hmm. send them to their deaths. You know, mm-hmm. as you yeah. do. So, what was? Well, that's the end of this part. So yeah, yeah. we're on to our questions. That was the end of this book. This the second part in Salamandastron. Mm-hmm. So, what was your favorite weird Abby food in
1: this book? Okay, there was something that the Shrews ate. Hang on. Let me find it. Let's see. I still want apple pudding. Uh-huh. Let's see. There you go. Um, Honey oat scones. Yeah. Honey oat like, scones. I, really good. I know scones are like usually hard as a rock, but honey oat sounds pretty good, actually.
0: Yeah. Uh, Was there an animal that appeared that surprised you slash didn't animal subvert expectation? The goddamn uh, deep coiler.
1: Uh, not just the deep coiler, but Rock Angus. I think he's my favorite bird so far that Brian's written. Honestly. But yeah, the deep coiler. What, what the is f- the deep what the coiler? What f- fuck is that? That's not an animal. That's a dragon. Yeah. Although we are also forgetting the wee Rit, <laughs> which is like, we never really learned what the wee Rit is. Weasel, um, weasel. 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 Ferret. rat hybrid weasel thing. Ferret. yeah something or other who fucking knows yeah what is your favorite part so far honestly i've really been enjoying the siege of salamandastron like mm-hmm. i said earlier that back and forth that push and pull mm-hmm.
0: uh, agreed although i do really like when the shrews are like racing
1: each other to get to, yeah. the, to the island it, it's one of those moments brian put in where like you're you're given a little rest from the tension And he's been really good about that, this book, like, giving you little breaks to catch your breath between, like, all the bad stuff that's happening. Yeah. All right.
0: We actually have questions from our Discord users. Yeah. Yeah. From Charcoal on Discord. Here's a question for the podcast. If there was a creature inside or out of uh, of the UK Redwall could have included, which one would it be? For me, it would be lynx or deer. And for me, it actually wouldn't be deer because I, honest to God, I want to see, like, an American badger (laughs) in this. I want to see the badgers from Salamandastron and an American badger
1: just go at each other. Or a wolverine.
0: Wolverine would also be good.
1: (laughs) I do definitely agree on the deer because, like, We've had implications that deer exist. I mean Basil stag hair. So so he says, I've seen a stag before. It's like Alright, where are they? Where are the deer? Or you They're know They're megafauna
0: heard... that are going extinct.
1: Oh no, that makes me sad. I don't
0: no, know but we don't know what's going um, on in their world.
1: Yeah, that's true. because um, humans are clearly not in this world, so uh... Not anymore. Um, <laughs> if they ever were <laughs> Well, you know what I heard recently? European bison are being reintroduced to parts They're of the what, islands. Bison? Yes, European Europe has their own breed of bison. What the fuck? Yes, um I had the same reaction when I saw one back in 2015. Um, cuz remember, I've been living for a year in Wyoming. So I got very familiar with how American bison look because the, the elk refuge right outside of Jackson is one of the biggest congregations of, you know, elk and bison outside of the state parks so me and fluta were visiting the barcelona zoo and they're like oh there's a bison exhibit i'm like wow i didn't know they'd send bison across the water like that that's kind of neat so we go and i'm just like what is wrong with these bison are they sick why do they look like that why are their heads are wrong what is that i read the plaque and it's like this is a european bison i'm like ah i'm a dumbass what the fuck it like it looks like a bison but it also looks off Right, you see what I mean? It's like it's uh, for for someone who grew up in the states it's like who is too so tall. Used, and the head is too small. Yeah, and like the 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 like the horns are right are wrong too. It it, it the the front half of it's ratio to the back half is also off. Uh huh. At least, but like, what what the fuck? But recently, they have been working to reintroduce the bison to different parts of Europe to see how that will help the local ecology. You know, like back when they reintroduced wolves to Yellowstone, it's kind of that thought of like, if we bring these species back that were here before, they should help things stay in balance better. You know, and part of me is like, could you imagine a bison? Like this thing would be a literal giant. Bears. 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 Yes. Bears. bears. Where are the bears? bears. Right where the bears. Cougars. The bears at? They, they don't have big cats in england do they they don't but i okay. want a cougar actually actually no correction they do have big cats in england but they are escaped exotics yes because the only yeah.
0: actual wild cat they have is wild cats.
1: Mm-hmm. that's what they're called no no they 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 have confirmed that there is or there was it's probably dead by now who knows but there was an escaped panther at one point Good um lord Because they got pictures of it, they got videos of it, and sheep farmers were like, it keeps eating everything, help!
0: (laughs) Yeah, but, like, the actual Um, native wildcat that lives in the UK is the wildcat. They're small and shockingly cute. (laughs) They're (laughs) cat-sized. Yes, they are are cute. And now we have a bunch of questions from Super Skylake on Discord, because uh, they sent us a whole document of thoughts and other stuff.
1: Really good questions.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we have a question that's being saved for when we get to the bellmaker. So we're not going to look at that, but it does have to do with the deep coiler. Mm -hmm. So do you think that Martin made Sister Nasturtium extra sick so she could
1: have prophetic dreams like that? Interesting coincidence there. I'm definitely going to say no. I think it's a case of she is sick. So Martin is keeping her company. Like she is sick. He is keeping her company. So she's not like scared about being sick. Yeah, and she was That's already
0: like susceptible to him, so mm-hmm. you know, there's less of a filter there as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I definitely don't think he would do this because he he will never bring harm upon redwallers. But yeah. if she's already this sick and feverish, he might as well keep her company.
0: Yeah. Uh, Tubgut's ultra quick turnaround seems a little weird. How do you explain that besides children's
1: book? Uh, children's book. <gasps> It's children's book, but also I think it's kind of playing up the shrews. Um, their honor their culture. culture, yeah, because they their honor culture is different from the badges and the hairs, but they still have a variant of it. Like they, yeah. like he also is definitely implied to have a personality where I don't want to say this meanly, but he's a sniveling kind of character. Little, he wants power. Bit. He wants power, but he doesn't have the personality for it. So when he, his bid for power is foiled, his next best thing is to latch on to the next most powerful person who his, you know, he's never going to get log along on his side. So, <laughs> Not at know, this point. Mara saved him. So he's going to become her loyal stooge. Pretty yeah. much.
0: And I also think it's really common in children's media to see this trope of somebody saving somebody else's life, and that person being like, I owe you my life now, I'll do anything you tell me to, like, I will- No, no, your Misa,
1: stay! Misa, you humble servant! I Just swear to God! God I'm <laughs> destroying you. you. You, sir, have life debt with decent reason? Uh-huh. Misa, attack you! with him! Misa, attack you! <laughs> attack and kill
0: you! God... Anyway, what is your opinion of Farago's parenting of Klitsch here? Keeping in mind that Farago genuinely seems to want Klitsch to become a junior warlord like him, and whatever ideals we have for good parents probably doesn't apply here, I think the methods are actually sort of good. Of course, his plans fails, but the slapstick humor of reactions to Farhan's corpse was worth it.
1: I, again, like I said earlier, I think Farago, I agree, Farago is trying. He is trying to raise his son to be strong- and a leader, but he doesn't know how to do it in a gentle way. Um, Because, like, we see that there are no female vermin with this horde. Like, there's, all right, kid's book, but there's no camp followers even. There's no one to do the washing or the cooking or, like, with with an actual army. There's no hose. Yeah, with an actual army, you would have whores traveling with the army. Like, to be blunt about it. You yep. would have whores traveling with the army to service the men, and also do the laundry and the cooking. Like there were camp women who went with armies. Um, it's it's something that is lost with today's modern armies in a lot of ways. Like it still happens, Kit. but it's not the same as it was back in the medieval Kit. era. What? Kit. Where the hose at? <sighs> Shush. Um, <laughs> but like, it's very heavily implied that glitch. Doesn't really have a mom. So Farago is a single parent who probably had no parents of his own trying to raise a kid in a society, in, in a setup where softness and kindness and gentleness are weaknesses and will lead to death.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I also think that he's like doing the best that he can here. I don't think yeah. that they're good parenting methods, even no. by vermin standards. no. But he is doing what he knows.
1: I mean, if we look at other vermin we know who were parents, like um, uh, Chicken Hound with his mom and how like she taught him everything she knew. But the minute she croaked, he was like, yeah, whatever, whatever, mom. And just kept doing his thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of little notes from Skylake that I hope he puts in the server. Uh, yes, please we...
1: do share them with the server.
0: We don't have the time to sit and read through all of them. uh, Just what you put questions in. So, Mm -hmm. and we're saving that one about the bellmaker for later. Yes. uh, Because I don't remember what happens in the bellmaker. And then earlier, I. I had a, I did a call for more questions. And we had... Ben throw a last like last couple questions at us mm-hmm. uh how old do you think thrug is i read him as fairly young to begin with but there's a line that makes me think he's 30s or 40s because he calls himself an old like sea dog basically I or an old don't... river dog
1: yeah i don't think he's 40 i definitely think he's 30 i also think that part of that is just like the slang of like oh you're just an old sea dog i don't think it means he's old i think it's just like the slang of like well, but he no, calls just... himself an old
0: river dog, as in in the way that he said it kind of made it sound like he'd been in so like been through a lot
1: in his life. I still don't think so, though. Just from the other way he he acts, I think he'd be thirties at most. Yeah, just because um, of other ways he reacts to things.
0: Yeah, and then the other question we got from Ben: Also, what did Brian have against sneaky villains? As they tend to die very soon after sneakiness. Shadow died within a chapter of being introduced and Ferran and another in a future book. Was it that he didn't like them, or just found them hard to write in a prolonged way, do you think? And we were all kind of like, uh, it might be subtle commentary on, like, how dishonorable that sort of methodology is.
1: Yeah, we actually had a good discussion about it in the yeah. Discord, but I think, like, there's, like, two reasons. We've got the Watsonian and the Doyalist, Um Basically... Uh, i think the two reasons are one in story it's because it's the dishonorable way to do things it's the coward's way like i said with um you know probably earthstripe being upset about the poisoning it doesn't make for great showdowns it doesn't make for big bombastic battles no um and that leads into the second part of like why Brian probably kills them off quickly is because you can't write a grand showdown with someone who's sneaky. They won't stand and fight, they'll just keep trying to escape. I mean, look what happened with um, Slagar. Or Slagger. He was the sneaky villain. He wasn't a fighter. He was sneaky. And what happened to him, he didn't get that cool villain fight at the end. He fell down a well and broke his neck. You know? So, sneaky villains just aren't Ben, like, they don't lend towards that big, grand death that Brian seems to enjoy writing. Yeah. You I should mean, join on even...
0: Discord so that you can yeah. have cool discussions like this and also see videos that Ben posts about Wednesday, <laughs> his cat, absolutely murdering a little deer toy and saying that it reminds him of Kit whenever she makes puns up at me. Uh, which is a cat going up to the little deer toy just sitting on the ground murdering it for a minute give it a lick and then flee and yeah no you should you should join the server for for that <laughs> stuff because you know wednesday the cat is actually a very cute little black kitten with white socks kitty cat kitty cat in a distance in a distance cat i'm a kitty cat In
1: anyway all right, all right so you've, all already- you've already harassed our poor listeners with the badger badger don't start with the kitty cat Cat! No, I'm a kitty cat! Anyway, <laughs> I won't, I won't. <laughs> that would be
0: doing the joke too many times. Yes. Uh, so, thank you guys for listening to Abby Archives. We're grateful that you lent us your ears, and we hope you enjoyed your time with us. I have been Izzy. You can find me on Twitter at Deer and Tumblr at LotsaDeer. Highly recommend following me on Tumblr, as I have stopped posting as
1: much on Twitter and just kind of lurk there. Um... For for uh to date this episode uh, the the huge humongous idiot twat finally bought Twitter so we're just like mm, time to Tumblr this place but it is for those time
0: mus- to make the word Musk absolutely unsearchable.
1: <laughs> Furries, you have been given a task.
0: A <laughs> Task. Um, You can also find the other podcast that I am part of, Hope's Hearth, at Hope's Hearth Pod on Twitter and Tumblr. And you should keep an eye out for a new podcast I'm going to be doing called Colchis, which you can listen to on the Podcast Minds feed right now. It's one of the 22 (laughs) episode 100s they put out after the pod jam. You should listen to Colchis. We had
1: fun. And this has been Kit you can find me at Kitsy in a Box on Twitter or Tumblr. I'm generally pretty active on both. Um, I also go by Dark Kitsune Girl on DA. I sell uh, Kitsune Day, which are little ice cream themed foxes. I also have new little dudes I make called Alka Frolics, which are alcohol themed deer, and they're very fun to draw. Please pay me to draw them. Um, we I both also do, have
0: commissions
1: yeah standard commissions in fact i've got a really fun one coming soon where i'm gonna draw a gal um with a couple of her favorite pokemon it's a gift from a guy who kind of likes her so he's like it's for her birthday will you draw this and i'm like yes so, adorable yeah
0: you can find us both at abby archives on twitter and tumblr again follow us on tumblr the twitter is kind of quiet Mm-hmm. Uh, I also am very bad at remembering to post when episodes go live. Um I'm sorry about that, but I'm also not because, listen, <laughs> I work. And yeah. Uh, so, may your hearth be warm and your heart be merry from us to you at Redwall Abbey. Bye. Okay. Bye. And then, what
1: duh-da-da,
0: we we'll clapping at? <laughs> uh, the 30 again, I guess. Okay. listening. If you like this podcast and want to help keep it going, please consider donating to our coffee linked in the description below. Follow our Twitter and Tumblr at Abbey Archives and join our discord. This podcast is part of Hearthside Enclave. And some other shows you might like are Hope's Hearth, a solar hope punk actual play podcast, and post apocalyptic news radio, a Fallout inspired audio drama.